today wrapping up the series on Joseph. How many of you have enjoyed this series? Because I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we need to talk about the F word. <laughs> Y'all okay with that? I, I, I mean, I'm just going to tell y'all, I, I use the F word sometimes, and it feels good. It feels good just to say it. Like when I get caught in traffic, I just learn how to say the F word. It just rolls out naturally. When I get caught in line, just, just the F word. Just, just, and don't look at me judgmental like you ain't never said the F word. It just happens sometimes, and you just can't, you just can't help it. Oh, I'm in church. Y'all probably thought, I was talking, I, the F word I'm talking about is forgiveness. I don't know where your mind was. I don't know why y'all got nervous. I mean, forgiveness is the F word that we need to be using in the church. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yeah, so if you got in an argument with somebody on the way to church today, all you got to do is turn and look at them and go, you know what, I know we got in an argument, but F you. And then and, and, and that, <laughs> forgive you, right? And, and everything is good. Maybe you just need to text somebody right now and say, hey, I'm in church and my pastor's talking about forgiveness and I just wanted to say F you and just kind of let them know how you feel, right? Now, some of you are getting offended right now at me and you're mad at me and to you, I would just like to say F you, I forgive you. I mean, everything is going to be cool. Everything's going to be all right. Because at the end of the day, when it, it's the brand new F word in the church is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is that thing. Forgiveness is that thing that it's, it's easy to talk about when it comes to other people. But it's more difficult to talk about when it comes to our own lives. And let me tell you why I wanted to talk about forgiveness today. Let me tell you why I wanted to talk about forgiveness. Not only does it fit in the story very well. But this is what I believe about unforgiveness. One of the biggest barriers in our walk with Jesus and our ability to connect with others is our unwillingness to forgive. Now, I believe that. I believe it with all my heart because of what I've seen in ministry for over 30 years and because of what I've experienced in my life for 49 years, that that. Jesus has great plans for our lives. I've preached that from day one, that God has an amazing plan for our life. In fact, it's immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. But uh, something I don't talk about a lot, and I don't think I should talk about, but it is true, just like Jesus has a plan for your life, Satan has a plan for your life too, is to steal and kill and destroy. And one of the major weapons that he uses is this thing called unforgiveness. Now, it doesn't seem like a big deal. It's kind of like this shim that you had in your seat when you walked in. Some of you are like, is this a paint stick? No, it's not a paint stick. I would never put out a paint stick. You know why? Because that's what my mama used to spank me with. She used to paint, spank me with a paint stick. And if I see a paint stick, I'll go into PTSD and have a meltdown, and they'll be carrying out me out of here and a jacket with no sleeves. Hello. So, so this is not a paint stick. It is a shim. Now, a shim is used in construction work because you can take a shim and you can align a refrigerator or you can align a washer or a dryer. I mean, it doesn't, it's just like a really thin piece of wood, but it's amazing what you can do with this thing if you just get it, wedge it in the right place and move it around. You can align things so they will fit properly. Unforgiveness is Satan's shim that he wants to put in your life so he can align you with doing his will. Because if he can get this in you, then I'm going to guarantee you two things. Your walk with Jesus 
will stall. You don't lose your salvation or anything like that, but, but you just can't, and your walk with Jesus will stall, and it's nearly impossible to connect with other people when you're carrying bitterness and forgiveness in your own heart. So that's what we're going to talk about today, because at the end of the day, I want for everyone in this room, everybody watching online, to be able to say, hey, I am making progress in my relationship with Jesus. Just like I always say, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be. At least I'm taking some steps forward. I want for us as a church and as a people to say, we're taking steps forward in our relationship with Jesus. But unforgiveness is one of those things that is going to hold us back. So we're going to wrap it up by talking about Joseph. Now, it's not a trick question. It's an easy question. Do you think that Joseph... Might have had some anger and bitterness issues when it came to, oh, I don't know, his brothers, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get, I get angry at small stuff sometimes, but they beat him up, stripped him naked, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Because he got sold into slavery, he got to Potiphar's house, he got treated wrong there, he got to prison, he got treated. He had like 13 years of pure hell. There's nothing in his story that's good. For 13 years, it looks like his life is completely falling apart, all because these brothers decided to turn their back on him and betray him. So if anybody had a reason to be angry and bitter at his brothers, it was Joseph, right? So, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. Now, let me, let me push the pause button because I didn't say this. I want to say this. As I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm not going to minimize your pain. If you've been hurt, you've been hurt. I'm not going to tell you to get over it because, by the way, that doesn't work. I've had people, hey, I'm so, get over it. Oh, my God, you are amazing. I'm just going to nickname you Jesus because you came up with that all by yourself, huh? <laughs> what I'm going to try to do is show you in the scriptures how Joseph was able to work through it and how we can work through it as well. So Joseph, we, we left him last week. Remember, his brothers had came and they bowed before him. And, and this is, so, so after that happened, it wasn't all his brothers. It was just most of his brothers. But he wanted to make sure that he got all of his brothers together. So in Genesis chapter 43 and 44, he does this thing where he kind of gets all of his brothers together. And he makes sure he gets them all in the same room. And when he gets all his brothers in the same room, he told all of his attendants, all of his, he said, everybody clear out. I just, I just want it to be me and them. And this is what happens. Watch this. I am Joseph. Now, now if you're one of his brothers, and you hadn't heard of this cat for, for, for years, y'all remember that poop emoji I was talking to Philip about earlier? Yeah, it's not an emoji, is it? Like, it's happening. I am, jo I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. <laughs> yeah, I think. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer. Now, if, if this is a movie and you're watching it and Joseph says, please come closer, you're like, no, nah, man, don't do it. 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 Please come close. No, 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 no. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen you guys since the, since the beating. I mean, last time I saw y'all, y'all counting the money that y'all made off of me. 
Which, by the way, 20 shekels, that wasn't that much. You didn't even value me? That's a, so come a little closer. Let me just make sure it's you. Come a little closer, he said. So they came closer, and again he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery to Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, and, but this is just me. I love a good revenge scene in a movie. Like, I, like, like um, one of my favorite movies, I can watch it over and over again, is Taken. Because when, when Liam Nielsen, is that his name? Like, I, come on, in other movies, he trained Jedis. So you knew he was going to, like, you knew he was going to be great. But when he gets a hold, like, every time he beats somebody up, I, the first time I watched it, I was on a plane, and I was like, this is awesome. I looked at the guy next to me. I didn't know him. I just wanted to hit him. Just to, I, just, I mean, it just felt great. So I love a good revenge scene. So, so if you're watching this, and this is a movie, you're expecting Joseph to go John Wick over all his brothers, right? Have y'all seen? Good God, everybody dies in that movie. So, so that's what you're expecting. But, but then, then a curveball happens. Like, if you're just reading this, you don't see this coming. This is what happens. Don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. What? Did, had God been working in Joseph's life, yes or no? Yeah. Remember, we talked about it two weeks ago. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew God was with you? God had been working in Joseph's life. We don't know at what point he chose to forgive. We don't know how it happened. We just know he made the decision to forgive them before they ever showed their face. And then he said, hey, I know y'all thought y'all were doing that to me. It was actually God. What? Joseph, are you crazy? They beat, yeah, 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 it was God. Oh, he sent me here to preserve your life. This famine had, that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you. There, there he goes with a God card again. Obviously, God had been stirring something in his life during that time. We don't know when and we don't know where, but God had done something significant in his heart. Where he said, God sent me here ahead of you and your families to preserve many survivors. So it was God. There it is again, the third time he tells them. It wasn't you guys. It was God who sent me here, not you. He is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Joseph, who had every right to be bitter and angry and have his brothers executed on the spot, chose to forgive. Which is crazy because we live in cancel culture right now, right? Like people are going through our Facebook and our Twitter and, and, and you said something seven years ago. And so I, oh, you said this. It, Joseph did not live in cancel culture when it came to canceling his brothers. He canceled the debt that, his bro, that in his mind he could have demanded that his brothers owed him. So with that in mind today, with that in mind, I want to share four facts, four facts about forgiveness based on this story and what I've experienced just in life and ministry in general. Number one, forgiveness is not up to them, it's up to us. When I say them, I'm talking about the person or the people that hurt you. Forgiveness is not up to them, 
It's up to us. Now, just a real quick survey, because I want to see who I have in the room, and I need everybody to play. This is an all-skate. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're not charismatic, you've never done this in church, but it's okay. Baptists, Presbyterian, Lutherans, you have never done this. But, man, if we served some communion wine, you'd be down front. Anyway, so, so I need you to participate, all right? Here we go. How many people, like, I'm talking about hobbies. How many people are, are golfers? You love to golf. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just asking, okay, golf. It's good. It's good. Understood. It's fine. It's fine. I've never played. Never played. Um, I play putt-putt. Does that count? Okay, how, how many uh, hunt, hunters, you hunt, you hunt things, okay, yep, that's great. How many fisher people, not fishermen, but fisher people, fisher people, okay, okay, okay. How many people, your favorite thing to do in life is wait? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> what about, so that's my favorite, I mean, I just love to wait. God, I love to wait. I love it, like, I love it when somebody tells me they're going to be there in five minutes and they're not there until 15 minutes. I, I love that. Don't you love it? Some of you are like, man, I love to wait. When my spouse tells me that they're going to be there at 5 o'clock and they're not there at 510, as soon as they walk in the room, I sing their praises. You know why? Because I just love waiting. Sometimes I like to go sit on Clemson Boulevard at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon because there's 478 red lights, and I like to wait at them all. Sometimes I love to go to the supermarket and stand behind the cat lady with coupons and Publix and just wait on her to scan them all. I just love to wait. Anybody like that? No. None of us like to wait. None of us like to wait. None of us like to wait. My question is, when it comes to forgiveness then, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Maybe you're like me and you're like, well, I'm just I'm waiting on them. Because I did this for years. I'm waiting on them to acknowledge that they hurt me. Well, then they might not. You know what that is? It's not forgiveness. It's entitlement. God will never bless entitlement, ever. By the way, the message today, if it feels heavy, it's because it is. <laughs> it, it, forgiveness is not up to the, because I've had people say, and I've said this before, I'll forgive them when they ask for it. What if they're dead? I mean, that's going to be a problem. Unless you know, like, you remember Miss Cleo that used to come on TV. I'm Miss Cleo. I can get in. that lady was not Miss Cleo. She lived in Belton. Okay, I mean that lady was a farce. All right, so I, I'm just saying it, it's it th this right here, this right here. It sounds good on the outside, but it's an excuse. You know why? Joseph's brothers never asked for forgiveness. Never did. If I'm one of his brothers. As soon as he says, I am Joseph, I'm like, and I am sorry. I mean, for the whole, like, the Ishmaelite selling you at, like, man, my bad. Like, like I'm, I'm apologizing. But they didn't. They never did. They never did. In fact, his dad, Jacob, lived for several more years, and then Jacob died. And so the brothers started talking. And this is what I call the, the semi-ask for forgiveness. This is what happened? After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. Pause. This is not, they're saying, okay, hey, 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 dad said to forgive us. Are they asking for forgiveness at this point? Yes or no? 
No. Dad said, to forget, I mean, like a, I'm sorry would have worked, but they're like, you know, Dad said, Dad said, forgive us for, for their sin and treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, your father, beg you to forgive our sin. Okay, because Dad said so, will you forgive us? That's not really them asking for forgiveness. But watch what happens. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Pause. Are you God that you could punish that person? Are those people that hurt you? Do you really, really, really want to take that stance? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. How? I have never been that godly. Joseph is like, God intended it all for good. Um, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Joseph, the, the forgiveness wasn't up. See, his brothers lived in fear. Joseph didn't live in fear. You know why? He had already forgiven them. When, when we learn to forgive, fear just kind of dissipates in our life. It begins to just disappear. And Oh, and by the way, that whole I'll, I'll forgive them when they ask, when Jesus was being crucified, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Here's what's crazy. They didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't ask for forgiveness. So if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to forgive people that didn't even ask for it. And waiting on them to ask for it, once again, that's not forgiveness. That's entitlement. Which leads to number two. Forgiveness is a process, not a one-time decision. Forgiveness is a process. You ever feel like it's a process? It's a process. It reminded me when I was making, um, preparing this sermon of church basketball. I played church league and rec league. By the way, they say more F words in church league than they do rec league, <laughs> the, the other F word, the non-F. Anyway, so I was playing a church league game one night, and um, I, I like basketball. I'm an average player. I'm not good. I'm not great. I'm average. The reason I'm average is because I'm six foot six and I have long arms, so I can get rebounds and just kind of throw them. I'm I'm a decent. Sh I'm just average. That's it. But on this particular night, if you if you're a guy and you've ever played in any sort of league, you get this. On this particular night, I was on fire, and I don't know why. I can't. I still can't figure it out. I learned I was on fire when I was running a play. I was in the paint. I came out to the three point line. They passed me the ball. I don't shoot three point shots. Because I can't shoot three-point shots. So I'm standing there with the ball, and the guy's guarding me. He's a, he's a friend, and he's like, you won't shoot it. Now, guys, <laughs> at that point, what was I supposed to do? I got to shoot the ball because he just said you won't. And so, so I, I shot it, nothing but net. It was on. And he looked at me, and I said, I, you know, I said something about his mother. And, and anyway, it was, it was good. It was good. It's good. It's good. And so, hey, if you can't, 
you can't take it. Don't, don't talk it. So we came back down the court, got the ball again, same place, three-point line. He said, you can't do it again. <laughs> Nothing but net. I'm, I'm telling you all, I don't know what happened. I was on fire that night. I could not miss. I mean, I was falling one hand. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was like, man, I need to, I need to go back to college and apply for a scholarship. I am on, I mean, what they got, I need to pick out my sneaker design. They're going to design some shoes after me. We had a game the next night. <laughs> I couldn't have thrown the ball in the ocean if I was standing on a pier. I, and it was funny after that night, isn't it so funny? You think you came so far, and then immediately you're like, yeah, I'm not as good as I thought I was. It's the same thing with forgiveness. It's the same thing with forgiveness. You can forgive, and by the way, listen, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. You can't say, I'm going to wait until I feel like forgiving. You'll never feel it. It's a choice. And there are people in this room, and I know this because I'm, I'm one of you. I'm not above you. I am one of you. We've, we've forgiven someone, and then maybe a week, a month, a year, or five or ten years later, we find ourselves in the place where we're mad at them for the same thing all over again. And then we question ourselves. We're like, hey, I thought I was further along than this. I thought I was better than this. And we deal with guilt, and we deal with shame, and we deal with pain. Because we thought we had forgiven, and here we are with those negative emotions all over again. And all it is, is in that moment, we've got to learn to say, I have chosen to forgive them. I still choose to forgive them. Let me tell you how I know this so well. The first time I was molested, I was six years old. I remember everything about that day. I was molested by the time I was nine by two different men who didn't know each other. I didn't tell a soul. Never talked about it. Because there was a lot of shame. My senior year in college is when I finally, I was in my dorm room by myself, um, reading, reading the Bible, dealing with this forgiveness thing, and I realized I had to forgive these men. They didn't ask for it. I hadn't seen them and hadn't seen either in them in over a decade at that point. And I had to make the choice to forgive them. They didn't ask for it. I remember in my dorm room weeping, going, God, I've, I'm, I'm forgiving these two men. Just a few years ago, this wasn't long ago, just a few years ago, I'm driving down the road. And I don't know why. I'm just listening. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good mood. And all of a sudden, the image of the first time it happened popped in my mind, and I saw that guy in my mind. I saw him. And in that moment, in that moment, I wanted to hurt him, like physically grab him by the head and slam it over and over into the ground. I had that urge. I was angry. And then I paused. And I said, you know what? I chose to forgive him years ago, and right now, in this moment, I'm choosing to forgive again. I'm going to keep choosing forgiveness because I don't want the enemy aligning me with his purpose. That's why it makes sense when, when Peter came to Jesus and asked him a question in Matthew 18, 
He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, this question is loaded. Because seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And Peter is basically saying, Lord, do I completely forgive people? I mean, do I completely forgive them? And Jesus kind of does this thing. It's really neat. It's a little play on words. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And we're doing the math. Okay, 490 times. So if we do it 491 times. No, no, Jesus said, no, not just completely, but continually. You got to completely and continually forgive. And the reason I say that is because all of us have made the decision maybe to forgive someone at one point. We find ourselves in the same place. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're a human being. You're struggling with real issues. And in that moment, just like in this moment, you got to say, I made the choice to forgive. I still choose to forgive. Man, it's powerful once we get there. I could never get there, Pastor Pete. Oh, trust me. If I can get there, anybody can get there. Which leads to the third point. This will be, if I get any pushback on this message, this will be the place where I get the most pushback. There's going to be some people that don't like this. You get angry about this. And I would just like to say before I even share it, F you. <laughs> Forgive you. All right, here we go. Number three. Forgiveness does not mean complete restoration. I don't watch TV hardly anymore at all because I, I can't. I can't. Like every, like every time I turn it on, it's like killer hornets, hurricane. Hurricane hornets that kill, I mean, like, it's like all this stuff, and I'm just like, oh, so what I do, I've really gotten into YouTube lately. I don't know if y'all seen Preacher Lawson on YouTube, he's amazing. Anyway, so I, I love to watch YouTube stuff, and I watch YouTube preachers, and, and so I was watching a very, very famous person, if I called his name, a lot of people would know it, and they were speaking on the subject of forgiveness, this was like months ago, and I don't know about you, I yell at my computer instead of the TV now, I'll yell at my computer sometimes, not often, but I remember this guy saying, forgiveness isn't forgiveness until the relationship is completely restored. And I just went, no! And my dog, Chance, was like, oh, my God. Like, he started kind of squaring. I was like, no, no, you're fine, buddy. Come here. Um, but, but I was like, that's just not true. It's, it's awesome to teach, but it's not true. Okay, on a practical level, if the relationship has to be completely restored, how do you forgive then somebody that's dead? That's going to be a problem, Right? Forgiveness does not mean complete restoration. Let me ask you a question. If, if, you, had, if you had a business, let's say you had a business, and you, you know, you're making some money, you started hiring some people, and you hired like somebody to be over the accounting and watch over the business, take care of the money, and then you discovered that they were stealing money from you, not just a little bit, but a lot. They stole a lot of money from you, and, and you had to fire them. Could you forgive that person, yes or no? Yeah. Would you, would you hire them back in the same position? No. Well, if forgiveness means complete restoration, you should. You couldn't hire them back in the same position if they were the same person. Because if they hadn't changed, it's going to happen all over again. And you just entered into a toxic relationship or a toxic situation. Listen to me. When it comes to other people, listen. You can forgive them. You can't change them. Own that statement. Somebody needs to own it. You can forgive them. You can't change them. If the, if the men that molested me called me and said, 
hey man, can we get together for coffee? No. No, I don't, I don't want to have coffee. Or if they said, hey, can we come over to your house? No, no. I've forgiven them. I don't have any animosity toward it. In fact, anytime I preach on a Sunday and I say something from this stage that feels heavy to you, understand I've dealt with that heaviness all week long. And so I can say with a clear conscience right now that as of this moment, I don't hate anybody. I don't wish bad things to happen to anybody. I don't have an enemy on the planet. There is nobody that I haven't forgiven. I'm not saying I don't have to make the choice. But I, there are, I, I have forgiven people, but that doesn't mean the relationship's going to be restored. Some relationships may... If, if you forgive somebody and they stay the same and you stay in that toxic environment, that relationship's going to pull you down. The, one of the... One of the best or worst examples I've ever seen of this is women in domestic violence situations. Now, this isn't something I've heard about. This is something I've seen with my own eyes. Um, years ago, many moons ago, I say that, I'd do it again. I got a phone call. It was a girl that attended the church where I was serving. She was weeping. And she said, she talked about her boyfriend, and she said, he, he just beat me up again. And this, this was an ongoing problem. And I, I don't know if I was just in a bad mood or hadn't had my coffee or whatever, but I was just, I snapped. I had a buddy at the house. I said, come on, let's go. He said, where are we going? I said, church discipline, let's go. He didn't ask. He just went with me. And so we went over to the house, and she, she was about maybe 5'1", 5'2", 110 pounds, soaking wet, pregnant with his baby face all swollen up and I was just like you know I need you to be honest with me how often does this happen she said two or three times a week okay I said when was the last time you talked to me he said he just called me right before you got here I said what'd he say and he said he was sorry and he asked would I forgive him I said what'd you say she said yeah I told him I'd forgive him I said let me ask you a question does he say I'm sorry will you forgive me every time this happens she said, yeah, he does. I'm like, then he's not sorry. And, and even though you've forgiven him, we've got to get you out of this house tonight because if you don't get out of here, he's going to kill you. Just a side note, he called back on our cell phone and I picked up. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, Pastor P, uh, what are you doing in my house? I'm like, I'm talking to your girlfriend who you just beat up. Yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I said, I don't know what happened. I said, why don't you come home? Let's talk about it. He's like, I don't think I want to do that. I was like, no, 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 no. I said, you got aggression issues? You got aggression issues? Come home and take a, let's talk. If you need to hit somebody, I need for you to hit me. I need for you to feel free to hit me. And he said, he said, oh, no, I wouldn't. I would never hit you, Pastor P. I was like, I know because I would beat your ass. And you know, you know that for a fact. So that's church discipline anyway um he didn't show up but by the way we got her out of the house and she went on she gave birth to the baby and he I mean it was it was but but had she she could forgive him but she didn't have to stay with him sometimes forgiveness because because Paul tells us Paul tells us in Ephesians I mean Romans chapter 12 if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone in other words 
You do your part. Let God handle the rest. Now, if you're the person that says, well, they need to be paid back. They need to pay back. They need to pay back. You know what? I've discovered that God handles that stuff way better than I do. Just move out of the way. Which leads to number four. And number four is this. Forgiveness doesn't free me. It free, uh, forgiveness doesn't free them. It frees me. Now, I don't know what you're scared of. There's few, there's a few things in life that, that terrify me. I'm not one of those, I'm not afraid of anything. I, I got a list. And one of those things is I don't like being, um, like, I got, anybody deal with claustrophobia? Just cla- Okay, yeah, yeah, a few people. Um, and it didn't start until, God, maybe my senior year of college, I took my youth group down to the, I just call it ghetto youth camp because we were in Panama City. We paid, we stayed in a room that, you know, it, you cram 18 kids in one room and you just tell them there's four. Anyway, so we're all staying in this, <laughs> this ghetto hotel and we got on the elevator, no air conditioner. And as the elevator's going between the first and third floor, it stopped and all the lights went out. Now, up until that time, I didn't think I was scared of the dark and claustrophobia, but I started losing my mind. I was, I was freaking out, and the people outside, you could hear them going, just push the button, just push the button. I'm like, I'm going to push your freaking button when I get out of the elevator. I mean, I'm just, and I'm sweating, and I'm right, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, and I couldn't get, I, I was like, I'm trapped, I, I can't get out, I can't. and I can remember them finally, I think they called 911 or whatever, they opened the doors, and I saw sunlight, I was like, oh my gosh. Now, with that in mind, I was recently ha- having a conversation with somebody who um, at the time was a friend. Um, I'm just kidding. He's still a friend. But he said, you know, you got an amazing team of staff at Second Chance. I was like, yeah. I said, we really do have a great team. He's like, y'all should go do some team building stuff. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. What do you have in mind? He goes, oh, there's this thing called a panic room. That's why I'm saying our friendship got real rocky there for a second because I was like, why would I pay money to go put myself in the dark. He's like, well, it's to see if you can get out. I'm like, I got a better idea. Why don't I just keep my money and not get in there in the first place? How about that? that, that that's, a, that's a smart idea. That, the, the reason I say that is because when we're not willing to forgive somebody, we don't put them in the dark. We put ourselves in the dark. That fear and that insecurity doesn't come from them. It's come, it comes from our unwillingness to for, forgive. Being unwilling to, like, if you want to hold on to that anger and that bitterness against that person or those people because of what they did to you, listen, let me pause. I'm not minimizing what they did. It hurt. It sucks. It's real painful. The memories are not good. But if you want to hold on to that anger and that bitterness, it's equivalent to you drinking poison and poison and expecting it to kill them. And all you're doing is allowing the enemy to get his way in your life, move you around, and align you with his purpose, and take your eyes off Jesus. That's why when Paul said, and this is the verse that gets me every time, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Just as God through Christ, has forgiven you. So as you've been forgiven, that's how you need to forgive. And listen, it's not easy, but it's right. And as you make the choice to forgive, you will take a step forward in your walk with Jesus, 
and you will be able to, to connect better, better with other people. With that in mind, can we pray? Father, I want to pray right now in your name, Jesus, that every single person in this room, every single person watching on the line that has been forgiven, Jesus, we would just stop and say, thank you for your unconditional grace and forgiveness and your mercy. But God, in that same spot, we would be willing to offer forgiveness. That the, that the power, Jesus, of unforgiveness would be broken in our lives and in this church. His bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. What name or what names came to your mind of a person or some people that you need to make the choice today to forgive? I'm not saying you feel like it. I'm saying that you are going to today, right now, make the choice to forgive that person. If that person popped in your mind and you know you need to forgive that person because the enemy has used them for far too long, I want you to take the pen in the seat in front of you or the pen beside you and just write their name right now on the shim. Do it right now. Don't, don't look around and see if anybody else is doing it because they are. And if you're here today and you really have an issue that you're not sure you know how to forgive or if you can forgive, all I want you to do is get up from your seat and walk out the back doors of this auditorium. We have care team members back there that are willing to pray with you or pray for you or talk with you about anything you need to work through today. But for the rest of us in this room, I want you to write down the name of the person that you need to forgive. You've got to forgive this person. As I preach this message, this person popped in your mind multiple times, and I just want you to write their name down on the shim. I want you to do it right now. I want you to write their name down as a representation of this is the thing that the enemy has used for far too long in your life. And in just a second, we're going to count to three. And when I get to three, when I get to three, I want you to break this. And as you break it, you're saying, I'm making the choice today to forgive this person. I'm making the choice today to forgive this person. I'm making the choice today. And the power of unforgiveness is going to be broken in my life. I want you to hear it for yourself. Not just what it's going to do for you, but what it's going to do for everybody in the room. If that's you and you're ready to make that decision and you wrote that name down, I want you to break this on the count of three. One, two, three. Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus for just a representation of what it sounds like when the power of unforgiveness is broken in our lives. Father, I pray we would continue to hear it break. We would never forget that sound that we just heard. And God, anytime we're tempted to think that we can't forgive, that we would know, God, that you are the one who allows us to forgive. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never received forgiveness, I want you to know right now that where you sit or wherever you're watching from, that Jesus will come into your life and take over. All you got to do is ask him. 
So right where you stand or right where you sit, I want you to pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer in this room, would you put your hand up high? Just put it up real high and you can put it right back down. If you're on the internet, if you'll do the hand raise emoji so we can connect, we can celebrate that with you. Father, I want to thank you for hands that have gone up today. I want to thank you for people that have accepted you. Jesus, I want to thank you for the sound we just heard of the power of unforgiveness being broken in the lives of so many people. God, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, we would literally feel the freedom that we are now able to walk in because we made the choice to forgive. And God, this coming week, as things come up and we're tempted to take it back, God, that we would say, I completely forgive that person. I chose it Sunday. I'm choosing it today. I'm choosing it for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the example. Thank you, Jesus, that we can walk in freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that we can have an abundant life. We love you. We thank you. And everyone that agreed with this said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Because I'm glad you came to church. Hope you guys have a phenomenal week, and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday. God bless.